0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hello, everyone. Carrington here. Just to give you a quick update before this interview starts. For some reason, my microphone gets severely choppy and messed up halfway through. I'm not sure what happened. So I apologize about the sound, but I'm going to keep the interview. And hopefully we can have Wraith Games on again and have on, on a different interview where this does not happen. Again, I apologize. Give you a heads up. Once again, my audio messes up halfway through the interview. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Dudes Podcast. I'm your host, Carrington, and unfortunately, it's just me today. But I am not alone. Fear not. I have two amazing guests with me today. Um, I spent some time with one of them uh, about a month ago, and I had a fantastic time. From Wraith Games, I have with me Jay and Steve. How are you guys today? Doing great. Doing
0: great. How are you?
1: Not so bad. Not so bad. Um, I Got the day off from my, I guess real job as I say that in quotation marks and so it's I've been chilling all day today it's not so bad but for you guys How you feeling, Steve? Uh, yeah I'm, I feeling,
2: just, I'm feeling all right you know uh, things are good it's not as cold as it was yesterday there's no snow so
1: yeah you gotta love Ohio weather uh, I think uh, not yesterday but the day before that when it was just snowing off and on mm-hmm. you gotta love Ohio <laughs> <laughs> so how about you guys kind of give you a small introduction about each of you individually and then an introduction to the company wraith games itself
0: okay um so i am the founder and creative director as well as lead designer here at wraith games uh jay kidd uh i can't remember for the life of me if he's already said that uh i I think i said jay at least yeah i think we'll we'll fix this in post um (laughs) exactly so so, I started the company back in 2005. It was me and a, a handful of friends, because I, I kind of knew I wanted to make games ever since I was nine, uh, playing on the Super Nintendo. And when I finally kind of got old enough to start understanding like computer art and, and computer programming, uh, that's when a group of my friends got together and we we found a little a little club. At the time, uh, we thought it was a big deal, Wraith Games. And as time went on, I ended up meeting Steve in high school and some of the the previous. Team members kind of dropped off, but we gained a bunch of new people. And over the past, well, little over a decade, we turned it into something real. We turned it uh, into an award winning game development company.
2: So.
1: And Steve, how about yourself? How did you uh, get started and then eventually get involved with Wraith Games?
2: So I'd known since second grade i didn't want to do video games, but I was living in Kentucky where no games were made. And this was like circa 1990. Eight, so nobody wanted to deal with a kid who wanted to make video games. Um, and so I was in a technical school uh, where I met Jay. It was like a high school. Uh, I had made a prototype of a Flash game because I was really into Flash, and it caught his attention. He was like, "Hey, you should come on board and make video games with us." And I was like, "Um, you know, no, no, thanks, not for me, because." <laughs> I'd always been told, you know, you can't, you can't make video games. It's the Midwest, you know? So, uh, I went off to do graphic design at, uh, Cincinnati state actually. And, uh, worked worked some graphic design jobs and, uh, felt like maybe that, maybe that dream from second grade could be a reality now. So I, I, I linked back up with Jay and, uh, it's kind of been an upward, upward momentum ever since.
1: Very nice. Glad to hear it for for both of you, really, because when I was talking to Jay, you guys seem to be doing a lot um, for as far as uh, development's concerned and within the community. And I just have to tip my hat off to you uh, for the things that both you guys are doing. It seems like a lot of fun, and I hope you guys continue on what you are are doing uh, each and every day. Thanks. Yo, you're very welcome. So why the name uh, Wraith Games?
0: So it's actually it's actually kind of weird. Um, originally, for about like two or three months, we were calling ourselves Minds Eye Games, which is uh, it's so wordy it's actually physically hard for me to say now. It's like my lips don't like to make those shapes. <laughs> um, and it was around that time uh, when I really started getting into Dungeons and Dragons uh, with the other people who were who were working with me, and. One of the coolest monsters, like artistically, uh, Mm -hmm. the coolest pictures in the 3.0, 3.5 monster manual is just the the standard Wraith. And it was just such a cool um, concept uh, graphically for a monster. I'm like, oh man, he's just like haunted sheets. He's awesome uh that at that point I'm like, what if we were wraith games? And it was really dumb because uh from a kind of a 15 16 year old perspective um we did it we picked it just because it was really rad <laughs> and later on uh this this is something Steve can can talk about a little more. later on I kind of wanted to change the name to something else and he and uh, a couple of our other team members are like, don't you dare because Steve did this huge rebrand of um of Wraith when he got on board new logos new graphics new website like all the stuff to really like turn up the volume you know on on what we were mm-hmm. and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't get my way and change it to something kind of less iconic cuz I think Wraith Games Wraith Games just sounds really good you know
1: Oh, I totally agree. So, Steve, what made you want to keep the name besides spending a whole bunch of work redoing a whole logo and stuff like that?
2: Well, so it had been Wraith Games since 2007, for as long as I know. And uh, it was five, 2005. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, is that for as long as I know? But yeah, yeah. Um, the. Uh, the t- the name i i can't remember what it is you wanted to change it to but i know that like wraith games was like it's it's two it's two syllables it kind of kind of rolls off the tongue and it's Mm -hmm. you're you're right it's it 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 became an uh, iconic sort of name and uh just you know when i came on board i was like we're not doing this chiller text logo anymore we're gonna change it we're gonna turn it into something you know stylized and graffiti-esque and something that people can look at and say oh yeah I've seen that before
1: very cool very cool I know when I was like l- trying to find local indie developers in the area you guys were probably one of the first names to come up and so that name uh, I was like man that's not a really cool name so I like the name too and the logo is actually pretty freaking awesome so uh, Steve Thanks. thank, thank you, you for trying to keep the for keeping the name and uh, <laughs> and, and the sweet logo
0: and he uh, he says that uh, he doesn't remember what the what the other options were. Uh, one option that I really enjoyed because I this sticks with me, mm-hmm. and I've I've always said that if I do another endeavor that's not Wraith related, I'm actually going to steal this name. Wait, is, it, is it boy genius? Boy genius. I just love it. Um, I don't know why.
1: So should I call you Jimmy Neutron then? No, no. Okay, okay. Just 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 curious. Just out of curiosity.
2: Now now I, I remember. Now I remember why I didn't want you to change the name.
1: <laughs> There's already another boy genius out there.
0: See, I'm I'm more inclined towards Dexter boy genius rather okay, than okay. Jimmy Neutron.
1: He boy is genius. the OG boy genius. I will say that he is. He is. Um, so as far as uh, Wraith Games is concerned, what were some, Jay, if you want to talk about? Um, some of those early game concepts you guys may have had when you first started out and um, what they were like, because I know when I spent all that time with you, you said you probably made a bunch of just crappy games. If you don't mind, just kind of mm. skimming over those. And if Steve, if you were involved with those projects, don't be afraid to just come right on in and talk about them as well.
2: Absolutely.
0: So, OK, Um I'm actually kind of glad you're you're asking about this because oh. normally when we, we talk to, to podcasts and, and news press and stuff, um, that kind of phase in development, which we call the 50 terrible prototypes, uh, is skimmed over really, really quickly, and only a couple of them are ever really talked about.
1: Well honestly, but before you start 50- talking about it real quick when you were telling me about it, I was actually fascinated by the entire just the entire journey from beginning <laughs> to end, like from where you guys started to where you guys are now. So I really wanted to like bring this out. So I found this very fascinating. Sorry, I just had to say that.
0: No, no, don't apologize at all. Um so it's it's kind of weird because um there's this there's this thing. Uh I'm marrying uh Christy, who is uh one of our programmers. And uh we've been together we've been together now about a decade. Um and the thing is that oftentimes I'll get down on myself and I'll say, oh no, Wraith is going to be a failure for this and this reason. And then she's like, no, that's stupid. What are you what are you even talking about? And I remind her, I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, you always fail on your first project. And she's like, well, this is our third project. And that's if you don't count the 50 terrible prototypes. And I'm like, you don't count the 50 terrible prototypes. But the funny thing is, the more I realize, the more I have to say, yeah, you do. You do count those. Just because they taught us how to fail. Mm-hmm. And they taught us, they were really super big rough drafts. So let me launch into some of those. Um, off, the ones I can remember off the top of my head. So the first game I remember kind of putting to computer was um, a game called Operation Roswell, and it was the absolute crappiest Space Invaders clone you can possibly imagine, Um, and it had ripped sprites from other games. Um, and just this awful, like, like photorealistic cloud background, and none of the enemies... Like, I hadn't, I hadn't yet got it into my mind that one of the things that makes Space Invaders great is the fact that the enemies move in, in lines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, right. they march, basically. And th- my enemies just flew around everywhere. Um, and not even in a satisfying way, it was a random value so it was it wasn't just crappy space invaders it was crappy galaxian too <laughs> um so i i broke way too many rules with that and then after that i created a small racing game um based off of like old arcade racers called burn rubber um because i had not yet mastered names uh and i i Arguably I haven't mastered names now. I'll come up with name concepts and and Steve or Lance will just be like, that's a stupid
2: name. <laughs> Evidenced by puns. boy genius.
0: <laughs> I like puns. There's puns are the purest form of humor, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, but they're terrible puns.
0: That's almost, the point.
1: Almost dad humor like puns.
2: No, worse. That's... Like like subhuman <laughs> puns.
1: Jay so, it's okay. You, you you live and learn, right?
0: yeah exactly exactly you live and learn um except i don't i just i just live and make more puns um so after burn rubber because burn rubber its whole thing was you are constantly going forward and all of the enemies are parked all of the other cars are parked so there's like a thousand cars on this racetrack and it's your job just to dodge them all um and you're going to try to get to the finish line while seeing how far you can go. And in many ways, it was very similar to like a free runner now. Um, except that it wasn't procedurally generated. It was the same level every time. And so after burn rubber, um, I did a, did a frogger clone called chicken crossing, um, which was a chicken crossing the road because you never see that from people's first projects. No, I was completely original. Let me tell you, (laughs) Sarcasm. Um, then we had um, we had the Stickman Adventures, which was actually probably one of my best early games. Um, the only problem is I was also experimenting with voice acting, and uh, no, it was it was bad. <laughs> so um, and and at the oops, sorry.
1: I was gonna say, so will we ever hear that voice acting today?
0: Um, actually, one of the one of the weird things is I actually am trained to do voice acting. Um, at the time, I was not. Okay, so if okay. you're asking, will if you if you're asking, will I be in a game at some point, I might be like the white room is for loading and unloading of passengers or something stupid like that. But you won't hear the actual audio files from the original game. And I will definitely not be headlining anything ever. But if we have some <laughs> background stuff, maybe. Um,
1: okay. Okay. Just had to ask.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the that was that was an interesting concept, and I, I think it was at the time we had a gentleman named Joseph Foltz, uh, who uh, a lot of our team uh, affectionately refers to as Gundam Guy. Um, that was back when he was on the team, and I think he came up with the concept. I could be wrong about that, but you are—it's—it's a—it's a kung fu melodrama about stick people. Interesting. You are. Yeah, the the gameplay is basically Donkey Kong meets elevator action.
1: I would actually play that. Not li- not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where if if it wasn't stick people, like if we could turn this concept into something cool without stick people, um, definitely because all of the dialogue was really like "You killed my father, prepare to die." You know, it was very <laughs> over the top, very kung fu movies of the nineteen seventies um but you were ascending this tower because your girlfriend at the time uh cuz uh, that's not really the type of plot we do now you know the whole kidnap girlfriend type of thing mm-hmm. but that's uh, i was 15 so I was stupid um so you were ascending this tower because this evil ninja crime lord Has kidnapped your girlfriend, and you have to like master different like mystical kung fu techniques, while also you know not getting your face stomped in while going up this tower. Um, After that, we did a we did a brief Mario clone called Super Skyhopper. We started a prototype called Pandora's Box, and then we did the prototype for our most infamous game, Fly Guy. And I'll get back to Fly Guy later. Um, So these were just one after another after another in quick succession funnily enough the game i started working on second and at this point in time um in the the 2005 2006 period piece of piece of time Mm -hmm. we were a team in the loosest sense of the word like we had a few people who were giving some ideas but most people were like i don't want to learn to make art i don't want to learn to program it's all you jay and then when you get successful you know, we'll write it in the coattails, um, which was high school, really. Of course. You yeah. know, that's high Even school. Even college, in too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing was that the second game I started working on was a puzzle game for my mom. And at the time, I was really into Tetris. Okay. And I had, I had heard about Bejeweled and I had seen screenshots of Bejeweled. And remember, this is 2006. You know, like early two thousand six. Okay. So I tried in my head to say how and again this was this was pre YouTube.
3: Mm-hmm. That's
0: the that's a thing that needs to be needs to be said. It was very difficult to get gameplay video of a game. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna see a game being played unless you play it. And it was it was a paid game, but it was.
1: And any young people listening out there, I mean, YouTube, I think was 2007. It was very hard to watch videos on the Internet just in general at this point because it's just it was just hard. You either had didn't, your Internet connection was either wasn't fast enough. And if it was the video quality sucked.
0: YouTube, to my knowledge, YouTube was around in 2006, but this okay. was before Google bought it. And so the only things on YouTube were like people just talking about their day. It was, there was no gameplay video. People didn't even know how to capture gameplay video. And if they did, um, the earliest YouTube gaming videos were people taking their, their webcams and looking at their screens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this was, this was before that. So this is before <laughs> people realized they could do that. Um, so I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I understand the basic objective of this game, how do I deconstruct it? And so I made a weird little game where you were you were clicking on blocks to permanently destroy them, trying to make matches of four more. And then as you did, um, you had a resource that was going down. But each time you make, made a column or row, you got some of that resource back. And I gave it to my mom and she didn't like it very much. Uh,
1: Before we go a little further, is... I just want to make this clear for everyone who's listening to the show. Now your mother, you're making this game for your mother. Is she a gamer?
0: Um, so gamer is a weird, Mm -hmm. a weird sort of word. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, an immediately descriptive word for a type of person who plays video games. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, it's actually really funny. so I have I have two moms. Um, uh, I was I was brought in by uh, a family member because my other mom was was dying of cancer. So the mom I'm talking about in this particular story is my my adoptive mom. Um, she played puzzle games all the time. She was a huge puzzle gamer and she was also really good at Soul Calibur 2. Um, she, she could probably still beat me. In Soul <laughs> Calibur two, and that's not okay. Um, well, I I played Soul Caliber tournaments for a while, and gotcha. in four, and she could probably still kick my butt in, in two. Um, and then she was all she was also always ready to play some some Donkey Kong and, and stuff like that. So I would I would say yeah, at the time she was she was a gamer. Okay. Um, now my my other mom, uh, my birth mom, uh, definitely a gamer. Um, the only reason she stopped was because her eyesight failed her um so (laughs) yeah fair
1: enough fair enough sad to hear but you know sometimes life oh she takes
0: it she takes it in stride okay um but yeah so the thing is that i i gave her this this game and she didn't like it very much she's like oh honey it hurts my eyes
1: and this is your adoptive mother right
0: yeah this is my adoptive mom and i'm like oh okay and I'm like, but I'm, I made it for you. I want you to be proud of me. And she's like, oh, honey, I am proud of you. Proud of what, proud of who you are, not what you do. And I'm like, I want you to be proud of what I do, though, you know? That and hurt. She, that doesn't, she hurt. doesn't
2: sound like that also. She does <laughs> he, she, he puts that accent on her for her all the time.
1: For a theatrical, uh, maybe it's a little bit of drama.
2: I don't know. I think it's just something that he does.
1: Jay, no response.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I have, I have no response. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> breathless, <knows> like
2: <laughs> admit it was uh, minute.
1: Is she? Uh, does she? Is she from a particular area? Like, say, uh, maybe Boston or something like that? Or is she from around here?
2: No,
0: no, no, she isn't. She's okay. from Boston. She's from, she's from Ohio, and then she moved to Germany for a while, and then, uh, like Nevada or something, and then came back. So
1: yeah i have no reason because, I, I haven't heard her so i can't say for sure but but steve you could be a a good judge for that so if J, jay uh <laughs> nothing
0: nothing no i got i got literally nothing i got literally nothing
1: you know what's funny um you know if i do an impression of like my dad um i make my voice deeper but in reality my voice is deeper than his so you know we do all things <laughs> sometimes <laughs>
0: I, I think I think one of the one of the reasons my my mind immediately goes to that voice um, is probably twofold. Um, one, for some reason, she she reminds me so much of uh, Fran Drescher's mom on The Nanny.
1: Okay. Is and
0: it- I don't I don't know if that's if that's an accurate portrayal, but that is where my brain goes almost immediately when I think of her. And also, um, the sheer amount of Yiddish that is used in our household is just way too high. Like, so my brain, whenever whenever it hears her talk, that is the voice that I hear her with.
1: So Does she know? Is she aware of this impression? Of also,
0: she is absolutely aware of this impression. Uh, there have been times where she is like, "I don't sound like that." I'm like. Yeah, you, you do. Like in, in my head, you absolutely
2: do.
1: All right. A little bit of a tangent. Um, so you made this game for her and she's saying it, it hurts her eyes and, and yeah. saying she's proud of who you are, but not what you do. So what happens with this game um, at this time?
0: So, I angrily go back to my room and start trying to make it better, realizing that I don't think I can at the time. And then every six months, I kind of drag it out of like my files and work on it a little more. But then, for like a year, uh, a year in like 2008, I don't do anything with it Uh until I meet Christy. Mm -hmm. um and at the time we had just started you know uh hitting it off we we hadn't started dating yet and i'm trying to impress her because i'm like oh well i make video games you know because uh we met at at an anime convention and ultimately you know uh she she likes video games and anime and comic books and fantasy novels uh she is one of the nerdiest people i know and so I'm like, oh, well, I make video games. And she's like, oh, you do? Show me something. And I showed her Collapsus. And I'm like, yeah, it's not very good. And she fell in love with it. Um, we we used to joke quite a lot that she wasn't marrying me <laughs> for me. She was marrying me for Collapsus. Um, and we've we've stopped using that joke even though both of us think it's hilarious because we were, we were using that joke at booths at Mm -hmm. um, gaming booths. And some of our other team members are like, man, that makes Christy sound terrible. That makes her sound like a horrible person. And so we, we completely cut that from our spiel, even though we both think it's hilarious.
1: I'm not Um, offended by, I think it's quite um, entertaining now real quick, Steve, were you aware of collapses at this point were you on the team and were you aware of it
2: uh i I'd, I'd known about it uh, i I'll, I'll be honest i i was not into collapses for the longest time and i was more interested in the other ideas that they had kind of milling around like uh no, uh, we're we're talking we're talking about uh like stuff that we have in in uh, production or pre-production now like okay. like okay. physics stuff or, beyond the prototypes okay. stuff gotcha. beyond those. Gotcha. Gotcha. like just I'm not a puzzle guy at all like uh like I can do Tetris for maybe five minutes and okay. then I'm like I need something else.
3: I'm just, just curious. Um, so Jay, you were talking about impressing Christy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was that was something I was doing. And she, um, she's a computer science major, and so trying to help out the company at the time. She wasn't officially part of Wraith, um, but she was she was edging her way in. Um, she convinced some of our other our other team members to to work on it, even though I said I don't want to have anything to do with Collapsus. They're like deep emotional scars. Mom cries in room, listens to Lincoln Park. Um, so she ends up convincing them to to kind of give it a try and turn it into something bigger and better than it was and i end up I end up getting on board with that um but like flashing away from collapses for a while because I know it'll probably come back oh, yes, um the uh as Christy actually sneaks into the room um so the the thing is that. Near the end of the 50 Terrible Prototypes, we started working on three 3D games. Okay. Um, well, four three D games, if you want to be less pedantic, I guess, than I'm being. Um, in the same in the same Java based engine that we were doing the other games. Um, we started working on a 3D maze game. Um, which I I believe was I, I believe we were calling um like Labyrinth Lord or something like that. It was something really dumb. Um, but I ended up porting that to the PSP um, early on. And it was awful. It, whether you played it on PC or on PSP, it was terrible. But that was that's what gave us the confidence to move on to a dark basic derivative engine and start working on um, some 3D stuff. And keep in mind, this was 2008. Um, you know, we were we were all just kind of out of high school at that point. So we created a a really awful first-person horror game um, called Project Zion, which we ended up keeping the idea, and we're gonna we're gonna turn it into something not terrible eventually. Um, We also created a uh, a prototype, this is again during the fifty terrible prototypes phase. Okay. Um, And I've not even covered all of them, and I'm not going to because there's just too many.
3: (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I may have hit fifteen. You know what I mean. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit all of them because they are some of them are laughably bad. Um, but the another one that we worked on was called uh, Uber Match, and the idea was, and this this would not fly today, and I wouldn't want it to fly today. But um, and it, it, the reason it doesn't fly is actually the title. The gameplay is fine, um, but you play as a uh, a creature, I guess, um, a super soldier created by the Nazis, and what ends up happening is you, in your tube, uh, break out a little, a little premature, and being a mindless killing machine because that's all the Nazis know how to do. You just start killing Nazis, just left and right everywhere, um, and so you're you're this this unstoppable Frankenstein's monster, uh, killing. Nazis and you're going floor to floor. Um, you start it in the basement uh, and you go up and you just are trying to get out of this compound. And then at the end of the at the end of the game, you were going to be saved by uh, saved by uh, some like U.S. British soldiers, um, you know the the, the Allies, <laughs> and uh, turned into a force of good, you know, a, kind of kind of almost a Hellboy kind of a thing. Um, gotcha. But with the name go. alone. Okay.
3: Oops, sorry. I was going to say at the time, I'm sure War II were highly popular at this time.
0: They were. They were very, very popular. Um, this was actually before, because um, I, I like to think that the decline of World War II games was at Nazi zombies. Like, pre-Nazi zombies, people were making actual World War II games, mm-hmm. and then post-Nazi zombies, people were just like, it's more of a zombie game, but we have all these Nazi assets, what are we going to do with it? Um, and so we were we were right smack dab in the middle of good World War II games, um, and it was it was something that that was more fun and innocent. But like the name alone is regrettable, you know. Like looking back on it, I'm like, oh, no, that's uh, that's good that we didn't make that full, you know. And then <laughs> after after that was what I would consider our third biggest success. Um, success as far as player base, we created um, an online first-person shooter called Frag the Week Online. And it was just an arena shooter. Um, It could... The the cool thing about the server is it could support, I believe, one one or 200 players at a time. And that was the best part about it, and that's really sad to say. Um, So we had... During, during this, a bunch of people from uh, my and Steve's schools, uh, we went to Butler Tech, uh, different parts of Butler Tech. Um, we had a bunch of people in the beta for that. And they would play it pretty religiously, which was great, um, in this big, big arena. And I mean... To be fair, it was not the most fun of games. It was a big it was a big sandbox where we had built some buildings and given mm-hmm. some people some space guns and then they they ran around it and shot each other. And there the the big drive was there were a bunch of them, you know, a bunch of people on this little little world. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason we actually stopped supporting it because um, the server the server end of it was not bad at all um, you could run it off a little Xamp server on a flash drive which was amazing I'm it's, very happy with actually, that. yeah 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 um, part of me wants to kind of dig around the old code and be like what did I do right um, <laughs> 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 uh, that many people on a flash drive. no no the name is way too dumb um frag the week online FTw online um, worked so. Uh, no, no, but um, I ended up, I ended up actually meeting some friends, uh, because, uh, they're like, oh man, have you played this game. And I'm like, man, I made this game. And they're like, what? And cause that's how, that's how high schoolers slash post high schoolers talk, I guess. Um, and so we ended up shutting the whole thing down mainly because I'm a crazy perfectionist um and you can't tell that by the fact that all these prototypes are terrible but if i want a feature in a game i will not rest until it's in there um because my brain sees the project with that feature and anything less means that it's broken and i am aware that that is a terrible way to make a video game um
3: so that was the case we weren't have a uh, like um, assassins creed uh which one was a few years ago that had all the bugs that caused T P Stops to make it take a break. You wouldn't have EL Every gamer game developer was was the way you you think.
0: Well, that's the thing about AAA is everything is there's a lot of money and there's a lot of moving parts and they can't be like that. And it's the only way that we're able to do that is our cost of production is really low. Mm-hmm. And so we can we can work pretty like, consistently off of very, very little funds. Um, and that's the only reason why I'm allowed to do this. I have a feeling that after Collapsus is released and we're starting to do more stuff, like more events and everything like that, we're gonna get to a point where they're just like, Jay, shut up, the game has to ship. But luckily no one's told me that yet. Um, but
2: Wait the, the reason we- huh? It takes like three of us to beat them down sometimes. there has to be there has to be a majority
0: Um, yeah exactly um and the thing is that one person will say something and i'm like oh and i'll take a few days to think about it and it'll it'll mull over my brain but if we have like three people all at once then immediately i'm pretty much like okay fine we'll do it your way um but but the reason we we shut down frag of the week is because we couldn't get Melee to work. Um, we couldn't get like swords to work properly. Um, at any time, the opponent would see you, and you were wielding a sword. You'd see your own sword animation on your on your end, but all they would see is you holding a sword with a muzzle flash. So you were holding. You were holding. Yeah, exactly. Um, but only if they were within range. And the reason for this is the uh, the other end the opponent's end did not have the animation files for um for sword swinging and in fact third person sword swinging looking at a person swinging a sword in third person just didn't exist and it would have been it would have been very difficult for us to do that and so we just shut the whole thing down much to like the chagrin of like 30 people you know what i mean right
3: right i'm sure despite uh, anything to your standards if you'm sure those so people sure yeah, absolutely love it because it sounds like a great concept as simple as it is it sounds great
0: well I'm glad that um that someone else uh did the game right um if you've if you've ever played player unknown battlegrounds uh <laughs> it's it's <laughs> that thing That's I t- made yeah. <laughs> you, you could have been that, that guy no, no, they, uh, they are way more talented than, you know, 18 year old Jay. Uh, just, it's, it's just the way it is, you know. But...
3: Oh, well. So, as you're going over and making these uh, 50 or so terrible prototypes, um, what was the feedback you guys were getting both within Wraith Games and between friends and family members outside of the country?
0: Um so it was it was kind of weird because um a lot of my a lot of my family was just like oh yeah you make games that's a hobby you know that's not a business that's not something you can make money off of and i'm like well someone's got to be making money somehow you know what i mean it's clearly there's there's money in there um from a lot of my friends um it was weird because you had the friends who really wanted to help then you also had the friends who were like oh that's really cool but your games, like th- there are a lot of people who are like, "Man, your games are terrible," but I don't want to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and that was that was an interesting thing um, because that that has made me paranoid that any praise we get about anything is just not genuine at all. And then the other set of people were just kind of like, "Oh, that's a cool thing you have, uh, man. I wish you'd stop talking about it." <laughs> yeah, because because it was a it was the biggest thing I did in my life, and so I talked about Wraith all the time, mm-hmm. and it was really annoying. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, Steve, uh, during this time, during you the terrible prototypes? Did you think they were terrible as well? Um, and how much input did you have on these prototypes?
2: This was before my time. I was in I was in college during all these prototypes. I'd only heard about these in like history books. Okay,
0: gotcha. You you were in high school. You were in high school for about 40 of
2: them, actually. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Uh I I the only ones I really knew about were the maybe frag the week and project Zion. Okay,
3: okay, gotcha. I was curious. So can um, you kind of just maybe talk about briefly um, the journey so far for you guys from those 50 terrible prototypes to today? I know that's I think a, a long time, but uh, if you could convince it, because I really do want to get into uh, the game that's coming out soon.
0: I think I'm actually going to let Steve field this, because um, everything, until Steve got on, and, I'm, and uh, this is going to sound really sappy... Um, but we went from basically being what everyone said we were just a hobby to being a legitimate business when Steve, when Steve came on everything before like 2014 and he was just dipping his toes in in 2014. It wasn't even concrete. Um, but everything before 2014 was just like, we are friends making games and we had no clue what we were doing. And then when Steve stepped on. That's what elevated us. So I, I think, Steve, I'd like you to, to do this, this part.
2: Okay. Uh, well, thanks, first off. Um, it wasn't just me. It was Lance, too, and we all worked together, but, you know, I had a lot of input with a lot of things because I wouldn't shut up. So uh, I really... Well, Lance, Lance came on
0: after you, so that's that's one of the reasons why I kind of...
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Okay. <laughs> Uh, So I really, I think I joined um, late 2014, early 15, and it looked pretty much the exact same way that I thought it did in, like, 2008. So same logo. They were still working on collapses. Uh, They still had physics in the works, you know, because I had, like, followed up with them. Like, I would check their pages every now and then, and they had maybe like a blog post every once every year, um, and it was just uh it, it I could feel the struggle, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I would follow them on Twitter and their blogs, and I think 2014 is when we got the 200 square foot office. <laughs> right? It's it's
0: over 200 square foot, but we will always argue about that.
2: I
3: will say that office uh, the unit is cheap. For the, your guys first initial office all those small, very cool by the way
2: <laughs> thank you thank you you should come back and see the, the new place
3: I, I will i will as as when it gets done i will don't mind coming down again
2: and that'll be very soon okay so um so we had we had an office it was beige it was terrible uh, It smelled moldy it was just but it was something it was ours you know mm-hmm. and so we were, I, I got I got on board, and the first thing I convinced Jay to do was to do a rebrand, and that took maybe like three months to to get everything like settled and every decision made, and we came out with the uh, skull. His well, we named him just recently, but the skull logo, uh, the little skull's name is York, a la, uh Shakespeare. So very nice very nice um and then we after we after we uh actually at the same time we did the rebrand we we tackled the our social media and because any any big biz or any small startup the the best thing you can do is free marketing which is social media mm-hmm. uh, and so we committed to a a blog post every week or a blog post every other week it was it's kind it of was every weird. week okay it was every week and uh something like six to eight twitter posts a day
0: and yeah it know? was it yeah. was six
2: and from from there it uh, i think we shot up from like 80 twitter followers to about a thousand or something yeah yeah um,
0: impressive.
2: very impressive And that was that was just a
0: number. That was just a small number of months at that point. Okay.
2: Uh, And then I think it it, it took us a while to get organized to kind of focus focus on a a singular uh, game. Like right now we are we are all collectively focused on getting collapses out, like me included. And I didn't want to touch it for the longest time because it was. It was not the game I wanted to work on, but it's turned into something that I want to help get out.
3: Uh, it was just because maybe the team was so involved with Collapses that you were talk, kind of talking to it, or just over time, over development, you thought you saw something truly really special with Collapses.
2: Uh, I would say it's a mix of the two. Uh, okay. It was it was something that existed, but all the projects existed before I got there. But Collapses was like the the child of the group and I was like I don't want to touch that child I'll get in trouble you know
3: fair enough you don't want to mess with the baby because if
2: something goes wrong yeah, ma- your mama right. mama bird will come after me or something exactly. you know yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wouldn't even say and this is this is funny um and Steve and I have talked about this um but for me it was it's Colapsis wasn't so much a baby as a bugbear it was just it was just the monkey on our backs, you know? It, it wasn't like, oh, this is this untouchable thing. It was, oh, why won't this game finish? Why won't we just get this game done? Um, I, Because I I know I'm eager, and I know the rest of the team's eager to move on to other things. Um, <laughs> but Collapsus' development cycle has just been kind of weird, you
2: know what I mean? Keep going, Steve. Keep going. Um, okay, well, so uh i was more interested in like because my background is in 3d and animation stuff so i was really interested in like digging uh digging into physics which was our 3d puzzle game which you know i know i said i didn't like puzzle games but i mean obviously like portal and this was like pretty close to portal at the time so uh, i really wanted to kind of cut my teeth on that project first but that's (laughs) turned into kind of our Huge, huge project. That'll be that'll be something. That'll be something to see in, in the next couple of years.
3: Very nice. I can't wait. I'm excited. We've about um, physics very much today. Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm excited to see more about it in the future. But for myself, lastest I was very impressed. Well, you.
0: Yeah, the thing about the thing about physics is um, we. If, if you remember, and you, the audience as well remembers GamePro Magazine, um, for a little while, GamePro cast a net for independent developers to make a new, exciting game. Um, they were they were taking on being publishers. And this was around when Xbox Live Indies first launched. Um, this was around when Unity uh, was really hitting its strive before it was even free. Um... And, like, the thing was that we had created this prototype and we submitted and we didn't think we were going to get anywhere um, because there were, there were, like, thousands, if not tens of thousands of, of entries into this, um, this contest. And I say contest because it was, it was definitely a thing of skill, not really a thing of luck. But the, the thing was that we were one of ten developers chosen uh, to rep their new, their new publishing arm. And so we were working on physics, and what ended up happening was GamePro Magazine ended up going bankrupt. So the concepts we'd worked on for physics, and we actually took that to our first convention, um, and it, w- it was just overwhelmingly positive feedback uh, to the point where the reason Collapsus was even picked up in the first place is because we were heavily worried. And then GamePro Labs, which was the publishing arm, then it died. And then we switched over to Unity. Um, And again, this was before Unity was even like free. Um, But the programmers at the time, um, none of whom are actually with us anymore, uh, like two of them are uh, like doing six figure jobs elsewhere. Uh, One of them is part of a really cool think tank. And the the fourth is a trucker now, and he's pretty he's pretty happy with that. He doesn't program anymore. He's just on the open road. Um, Talk about but, the career change. Uh, he actually he actually left um, just because the stress was getting to him. He's just like I can't everything's stressful forever. I'm just gonna truck, and he did, and he's happy now. And that's really all we could have ever hoped for him, because he was so sad. He was such a sad person. Um, but the the thing was that when Christy was convincing everyone to work on Collapsus, at the time, people were like, oh man, how are we going to learn Unity? How are we going to learn to work in this engine? Uh, we need something smaller. And so some of the the terrible prototypes were tossed around to like revive them. Okay. And that's when Christy was like, Collapsus. Collapsus isn't just small, it's amazing. And... Like I love her to death, but at the time, Collapsus was not amazing. Um, and hindsight is that Collapsus did not end up being small. So we put we we literally put physics on the back burner for Collapsus, and then by the time we brought physics back, VR was in full swing. And so now that we're like actual registered Oculus developers, um, we've fully committed to doing physics in VR. Which is going to be, it, it's, I think it's going to really take the concept to the next level.
3: I, I really, the way you guys are hyping up uh, physics, I can't wait to, to get my hands on it. Um, but as far, we're going to talk, talk about this here in a second. Um, but for both of you, um, so far, have there been any wow moments as being uh, developers and, um, in the, the past, anything? Uh,
0: let's start with yours steve because i i know i have a few um and i i know i have a tendency to ramble (laughs)
2: um so so for me the wow moments are whenever like jay comes back to me with news like we just talked to so and so at this event i don't go to a lot of events um mostly because I went to the first event. I helped put on the first event that we're not put on, but uh show show collapses at the first event that we did in a while back in twenty fifteen was back when GDEX was called OGDE and I just I didn't have a great time. <laughs> I, just, I, I felt like uh I felt like everything was falling apart. It like it wasn't at the in the in the slightest. But I felt like uh, I felt like we we just didn't do it right, but then i I kind of helped it i I did another event this past year, and it went flawlessly. so it was kind of like, what was I so worried about? Uh, so I don't really go to events, but I do see like when we get onto to the news when we get onto the news, that's a wild moment for me. when we get on to. Ah, uh, people's podcast, this podcast. that's a wild moment for me when when schools talk to us, when anybody talks about us, that's a wild moment because it's just you know, more and more validation mm-hmm. that this thing that I tried to get out of the hobby, uh, hobby mode with these guys, you know mm-hmm. is becoming a real a real boy. so. I certainly know the feeling
3: uh, like with this podcast and talking with people like you. I never thought in a million years uh, I would be doing something like this. Uh, so I totally get where you're coming from and, and that's really awesome. Um, and honestly, the first thing that's never go the way you plan it to, uh, just just from experience also. But I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you, that did stop you from, you know, coming, going away from a project to the company as well.
2: Yeah, and I think actually uh, Jay and I will be I don't know how he talked me into this but we'll be showing off uh we'll be we'll be exhibiting at a thing at the end of the month um Mm -hmm. and i I, uh what is that that's up in columbus um
0: it is the um the premiere of ready player one the the movie um the the real world parts of the movie are set in columbus um and so because it takes place on the futuristic vr internet um, but the the human the human parts are Columbus based, and so they're doing this big, huge um, like premiere party, and so they brought some uh, some Ohio, mostly Columbus. But anytime anytime they do Columbus game developers, um, they drag us along too, um, just because. I'll, I'll get to why later but just okay. because we made some great friends in the industry mm-hmm. um and so we're always invited to anything the the columbus people are doing because they're amazing and wonderful and they love us um and so we're doing that uh for this big whole thing and it'll be nice it'll be really it'll be really nice it sounds like hey you guys need to come to this okay i
3: guess
0: um, there, the the thing that that most people don't realize is I love doing events, but um, money is a thing, and being a small studio, um, we have to we have to be very cautious of how much event money we're we're putting in, um, and so the last the last two years we did over twelve events a year, um, and that's that's like one event a month and that means i can i can throw like seven eight hundred nine hundred dollars at an event and that's fine you know the, the the studio has that money anything beyond that uh gets to the point where it's like but i want to go and it's gonna be hard but we'll make it happen and we always do we always make it happen um and so so we're going to this this Columbus thing and it's gonna be amazing uh, and I, I can't wait to see all of our developer friends and I can't wait to show off collapse as nearly finished it's gonna be it's gonna be a big blast we, we, oh, we, we,
2: we secretly love it when you twist our arm we're, we're a glutton for that kind of stuff <laughs> it's true really? it's true
0: I know some people are a little squeamish I don't know
3: Fair enough, yeah um, so well um, J- to, uh, if you could
0: pick one or two i'm i'm going to try um so so my biggest uh, if i had to say my biggest wow moment was probably at this last Ohio Game Developers Expo uh, okay. GDEX. um they they were doing their GDEX awards officially for the first time and People who people who know me know that I I like collecting awards for rain. because as as Steve Steve sees us on the news or listens to us on the radio or, or sees us in the newspaper and that's validating um, for me I'm like well what do they know about video games you know what I mean um, like the Fox Fox doesn't know anything about video games it, they just had us on to talk. Um, So for me, I like awards because they're peer validation. Okay. And yeah, and so we had won, we had won a handful of awards for Collapsus before this, but that event, uh, funnily enough, that event that Steve was talking about, the first that we did as a as a rebranded team, um, during that event, we made a lot of friends and this is this is where i said i'd get to that later um about the whole friends thing i have a strange strange approach to networking in that i will i will talk to people and i won't think about me talking to them as a business connection I'm just like, oh wow, you're making cool things, and I'm making cool things. Let's talk about our cool things, and then we just become friends. And then every subsequent event we we go and talk to each other with, I'm like, dude, we should hang out. And then only later will I re- realize I'm like, oh, this was a business connection. Holy, what happened? What happened there? Um, and so um, one of the one of the people we met at the first event was um, uh, was Frank Lusby uh, of Jam Sonic. And he has become uh, he's become a long term friend. Uh, he's come up to the, he came up to the studio um, like last month. Uh, no, no, it was like a week and a half ago. Actually, <laughs> um, he just he just drove. He just drove like hundreds of miles just to come visit us. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And that was something that was from that first event that we did after the reboot, the the first OGDE. Um, another group of people that we met. Was the Able Gamers charity, and the Able Gamers is the is the U.S.'s largest um, game centric charity, and I believe they might be the world's largest, but I'm I'm not sure. Games for Change might be, I don't know, I don't actually, no one quote me on this. So, um, the thing is that they are about promoting accessibility options for people who need them. You know what I mean for the differently abled gamers. And they came. They came by. One of the one of the guys, um, Brian, uh, came by, and he's like, "Wow! So I noticed your blocks have all these shapes. Um, any reason you did that?" And I had no clue who this guy even was. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. It's actually really. There's a funny story behind why our blocks have shapes. Um, we uh, we have a colorblind team member who couldn't play Collapsus, and we only recently found this out. So we put these colorblind shapes in." And he's like, "That is a great story." And of course, when I was telling the story, I wasn't in rush mode. I told like a good story. Uh, <laughs> I, I told I, I told him like how we discovered and everything. And so he's like, "Can I bring uh, Can I bring um, Craig over? He's he's one of our other guys. I want him to play this." Yeah, absolutely. And so they come over and they start talking accessibility stuff, and we became friends uh, just talking about games accessibility. And talking about the games we like to play and why they're important, and it got the entire team thinking about how to make all of our games more accessible. And not just in the colorblindness thing, we're talking about deaf players and uh, like hard of eyesight players and, and like um, like paralyzed players and, and all, all sorts of like even like cognitive disabilities, um, dyslexia, mental disabilities, things like that. We really started saying, why don't we?" Cater to all these needs. Because um, it was super easy. It was once we knew what we had to do, we're like, wow, this is not hard to implement at all. And that's kind of the whole Able Gamers philosophy. And so we met a whole bunch of other friends there. But at this last GDX that we went to, um, th- they were doing these awards. And we sat down listening for awards. And I'm just like, oh, I hope we win something. I hope we win something. I hope we win something. And the, the first people came up and it was, it was like, um, it was like, this is the award for visual excellence or something. And they had like, they had like three, uh, they had three runners up and then one, one big one. And so there's this long thing and he, he goes up and he talks about all the things. And then the next one came up and it was mechanical excellence or something. And then finally, and each one of them had like three runners up and then one winner. And then Craig um, came up, and he, he says, "I've prepared a speech." and and the entire the entire audience is just like, "Oh wow, what?" And he didn't call any other people. The first words out of his mouth were "Wraith games." Wow. And, and he said, Wraith games Wraith games from their very beginning has been devoted to excellence in accessibility. And I almost cried. Um, and even thinking about it now, thinking, like, I'm, I'm kind of getting teary-eyed. I know it sounds kind of stupid. I, I get that. But I, we, we took on a task that was really important. And it became really important to us. And I went up there and I, I accepted the award and everything. And at that point the people who won like mechanical excellence and audio excellence, they came up uh, after everything was over and I'm like, wow, congrats guys on on all the stuff and everything. And they're like, well, you're the one who won the important award. Like you, (laughs) you're the one who won the award that meant something. And I, and it was at that point, I'm like, I I wouldn't need, they're like, no, you're, you won the best one. And I'm like, "I, I, I didn't, I didn't really want to agree with them, but like it was, it was something important and so that was kind of our that was kind of our wow moment for the my wow moment personally
3: and (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's like wow saying wow my wow moment
0: um and so we we won other awards as well um we're actually um currently we're nominated we're in the top ten for um the indie game showdown at Game Developers Conference. Um, can everyone still hear me? By the way, oh yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, the light on my rig turned off, and I'm like, oh no, that means everything's terrible. Um, um, so the thing is that we're currently nominated for that award, and it has a it has a twelve thousand five hundred dollar grand prize, and we're hoping to get that. And we also won Slide App of the Year award for best upcoming mm-hmm. app, Player's Choice. And the thing is that, like, because uh, there were there were five five winners for that. It wasn't it wasn't like a ranked thing. It was just five winners, and we were we were in there, and that was really cool. And even then, you know, we were we were called the best upcoming app of 2016, and we were also nominated for this which the indie game showdown is supposed to be like the best upcoming app of 2018 you know and that's a gdc award Mm -hmm. even then i'm looking looking at it i'm like i think i think i'd give it all up you know just to for for this if i had to for this able gamers award
3: very nice i I hope you guys win that that gdc award It sounds there's no chance there's there's yeah um yeah. the
0: the thing is that um we are competing with uh because this this particular award is specifically for mobile and mm-hmm. we are competing with some of the best mobile games prime to come out right now and i it is just an honor to be amongst them you know what I mean? They are they are some real powerhouses. And it, it it makes me feel good that we that people think that we're competing on that level. And so we're gonna keep our fingers crossed, obviously, but if one of if one of them wins, trust me, they have definitely earned it. You know, that we won't be sad about it because we're talking about really like excellent designed games here.
3: Fair enough, you know time tough, but still
0: uh, i hope you guys win. <laughs> well thank you Um uh, the other the other big wow moment i think because um, like i said i have quite a few but i'll'll i'll do what i call the funniest wow okay. moment um and then i'll try to give a little context for some of the others whenever we demo Collapsus, because we've we've demoed Collapsus to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people just because of all the events we've gone to um and the thing is that almost like inevitably we'll have uh, like handfuls of people who will stay there for hours you know we're talking like 1 to 3 hours just standing at our booth playing collapses and this happens all the time and it's always a great feeling i always love when that happens um uh, i think our i think our all time record is a 5 hour a 5 hour guy but he would walk away for 3 minutes at a time and come back um so i don't exactly count him um he was i think he's i think he's like 12 or 13 year old boy um and so he was he was there the entire time i was at the event and it was hilarious um but the the big wow moment i think which was the funniest was we had had this little girl who was at the booth and i told you this story at the studio (laughs) um there is there is this little girl who was at the booth and she was an aspiring game developer. This was at Game Masters the Exhibition, which is an internationally traveling um, museum show of games. Uh, uh, there, I was standing next to like, like um, original art from WoW, like original concept art. And I was standing next to like vintage arcade cabinets and I was standing next to like one of the kind prototypes. And it was just an overwhelming experience just being there in the first place but this little girl was there and she was there for an hour and a half and her father kept circling around making sure she was okay and she was in on; she was just really into into collapses um and then actually it was a little over an hour and a half but uh then this other this other young woman came up and she was playing um for the longest time and then so she was there she was there for about two hours and then so there is this man and his wife and this was all at the same time. So at, at one time, all three, of, all three of these groups were there. And so no one else was playing the game because they had hogged the entire table. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it, it makes me feel really good when people want to do that. So they start picking up these tablets, the husband and wife, and competing against each other for who can get the highest score. And so the thing about the, the woman is she's very, very pregnant. Okay, um on. yeah I, I, like I she was
1: story.
0: yeah she was about to burst um and what ends up happening is she gently sets down the tablet and we were near the front of the exhibit um and she gently sets down the tablet and she's like I'm really sorry I need to go sit down and I'm like no 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 you're fine and she actually leaves the entire exhibit meaning the only thing she's seen in this exhibit so far is collapses and she had been there for like two hours. And so she leaves the exhibit and she sits down um, just outside the main doors and the guy is still playing Collapsus and he plays for 10 more minutes and I look at him and I'm like, dude, your wife. And he, he just hurriedly puts the tablet down and he's like, oh crap, and he bolts for the door. And then after he gets to the door, he immediately turns around, runs back to the booth, grabs a business card and says, uh, I'll buy this later. Thank you. Bye. And he just bolts out again.
3: It sounds like she may have been in labor positive at this point.
0: Oh, I hope not. I hope not. That would have been great. That would have been wonderful. And I hope the baby's name was Collapsus. But, uh, it, obviously it wouldn't be. But, um, no, it was... wow. I am... I that was hilarious, and I'm so glad that that happened. Um, now I, I will say, uh, that if I had to pick a third, um, really quick um we did we did have um Gerard the completionist of YouTube um play Collapseus and this was this was last year and we had been trying to get him to play the game for the entire event and we caught him 5 minutes before he had to leave because his plane was about to take off and so he he takes the tablet in his hand and he's just like yeah yeah and he's talking he's like I just really got to go and stuff and there's a point where he makes an audible oh sound he's just like Oh. And that's when it clicked. And, oh, excuse me, Pro Jared, another famous YouTube guy, taps (laughs) him on the shoulder. (days) He he taps him on the shoulder, and he's like, dude, we gotta leave. The plane's gonna be gone. And he, I kid you not, he lifts his arm, and he bats it away. He's like, dude, just give me (laughs) a (laughs) moment. At (actly) that point, when I realized that Gerard the Completionist was willing to miss his plane because he was sucked into Collapsus, that I think that that's just as much of a wow moment as those others. Uh, not as much as the first one, obviously, but as, as much as my second one. So I just had to include it here.
3: Fair enough. I remember you telling both the stories. and it's just it's I can see why you had to include the in your wow moments. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have talked so much about collapses. I don't so if you guys could, both of you, really um, kind of explain the objective of Collapsus, what it is, and why people seem to be so drawn to it.
0: Okay, Um. so what collapses is, is it's a puzzle game. And I, I explained this at, at the prototype. You click an individual block, it breaks it forever, and then that causes a level-up meter to go up, and that causes your resource meter to go down. But by creating columns or rows of four or more, you end up getting some of those breaks back so you can level up quicker and stuff like that. The big gimmick of Collapseus, and I'm going to call it a gimmick because this is something that I've I've really never seen anywhere before in, in a puzzle game. Um, you can rotate your device. Um, so say you're on PS4, um, you're not physically moving your TV or anything. What you're using is your shoulder buttons to rotate the center screen. You're rotating your device in order to change the way gravity falls. Because unlike something like Candy Crush, you're, you're not swapping things. You're making individual breaks and things are falling via that. So you can't have like that side-to-side motion. But by rotating your device, that's that's changing how gravity works. Now, um, there's also there's the three standard difficulties in timed and untimed, two unlockable harder difficulties, 25 challenge modes which add all sorts of new stuff to the game Um, like split blocks one color on one side one color on the other Um, or obsidian blocks which are big old rocks that have to be brought to the bottom to complete those are in the challenge modes we also have 25 plus modes which add new twists to those Um, there's uh, a zen mode where you just can't die it's just a play forever kind of a thing um there are 300 built-in single screen puzzles so you have one screen and it's not even always like a full screen you just have to clear the entire thing with your limited number of breaks and that's uh there are 300 of those there's a free daily puzzle that's brought to your device every single day and those puzzles are all designed by christy um so she she's taking her collapsus expertise and actually doing that in there um then there's a an online puzzle creation and sharing tool, so you can make your own puzzles and share them with friends. And it's no ads, no in-app purchases, and on on a good chunk of the platforms, it's 99 cents. Um, but on some of the others, it's it's more expensive, uh, and that's because the the more expensive platforms um, are first. We're doing free DLC, and the first piece is actually up to eight-player online versus. So you can you can do all the rotation and breaks and everything, but the better you do, the more junk blocks it sends to your opponent. And then we're translating it at least to start in ten different languages, and we're we're releasing it on basically every major every major continent. Um, you know, trying to get as much spread as possible. Um, we have a bunch of accessibility options. Um, you know, uh, for for deaf people and colorblind people and visually impaired people and, and dyslexia friendly font. It sounded like you're about to say something. Yeah,
3: um, and you, I noticed you have been also talked about what platforms it's on other than mobile and PS4? So
0: um, there are a there are a couple platforms that we are not allowed to mention, um, and and I will say I will say that that it's pretty it's probably pretty easy to figure out what those are, but um, my I'm not allowed, so I'm sorry, um, but we're releasing on our kind of ad campaign for this is all your favorite platforms and so that's ios android fire tablet windows phone and the only reason we're even doing windows phone um is because um the main programmer for this mark um he's he's really into his windows phone Mm -hmm. and so we're just doing windows phone um and then there's also Mac, Linux, and PC. We were Steam greenlit, so we're going to be on we're going to be on Steam, um, because uh, if we were being greenlit, they still honor that, even though greenlight's no longer a thing. Um, then we're also doing PS4, PS Vita, Xbox One, um, Nintendo Wii U, uh, Nintendo 3DS, uh, and web. And then we're also doing a big old arcade cabinet, um, which uh, it should be at Arcade Legacy, uh, which is an arcade in Cincinnati at three locations. Um, We've been talking to the owner about getting an arcade cabinet in there. Um, And then all of these modes or all these different versions, um, all of the user-created content, like the the user-made puzzles, they're shareable between them. Um, There are are online um, leaderboards for every single mode, and those are all shared between them. Um, and then multiplayer is also cross-platform, and then we have cross-save, and these are these are all things. So I have to I do have to put like an asterisk saying this is just development talk, and some of these features may not be in, and that's only to legally cover our butts, um, <laughs> because because like yeah. But um, cross-save is a feature that that is very rarely used. That means you can be on your iPhone, you know, playing on the bus. And you just uh, you save and quit, and then you go out on your patio and you just play on your Vita. You know, once you get home, and then from the Vita you can save and quit, and then go and, and play on your Wii U if you want uh, back in your living room. Um, and it's it's all if you have this one unified Collapsus account, you can um, you can cross save um and that that's also what ties together your your high scores and that's also what ties together your user-created content so you just have like a collapses username which is associated with your um with your nintendo network id and with your uh playstation network id and your um gamer tag on xbox and stuff like that.
3: very cool you know i i got a chance I don't want to play every time with the studio, but I think you guys truly do have something special, you know, and addicting. And the only well, reason I you. have to stop, oh, you're very welcome, and the only I stop was because I had to go eat dinner, and <laughs> yeah, I live like 45 minutes away. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, I'm probably going to stay there longer talking with you and playing classes, so it's still in the middle of it, so when can we expect it to come out?
0: Well, I actually, before we move on to that, I do want to okay. I do want to make a comment to one of your comments. Mm-hmm. Um, we try not to use the word addictive around here.
3: Right, um, really saying that. Yep.
0: Um, so I'm going to throw some shade um, at another another famous puzzle game real quick. Uh, Candy okay. Crush. Okay. Um, okay. A- Candy Crush and its ilk uses what are called Skinner box techniques, and Skinner box techniques are a set of psychological conditioning techniques that condition you to want to continue playing it uses reward cycles and it lights up specific parts of your brain to compel you to to play more it's um it's psychologically addictive now the thing is that those techniques were originally pioneered um for behavioral conditioning for psychology and then they were used um for slot machines so Candy Crush lights up the same parts of your brain that a slot machine does. Now Tetris doesn't do that. Tetris um, Tetris taps into your dopamine reward cycles in a different way, because with um, with a uh, with a game that uses skinnerbox techniques, those are those are triggering the parts of your brain that are more that are more viscerally triggered. Whereas a game like Tetris. It's it's triggering the parts of your brain that light up via stimulus of accomplishment. So, like when you go when you go do like a hundred jumping jacks, or when you go get a promotion at work, that's what that's doing. And we have tried our darndest to make sure we don't use any Skinner box techniques. Um, and one of the reasons Skinner box techniques are so are so useful for some game developers is because you can condition people. To want to pay for microtransactions because they're they're hooked. They're hooked, and they'll they'll pay whatever they want, whatever you want for them to continue. And Collapsus doesn't do that because it doesn't need to. Um, we created a game where the spawning isn't random because in a game like Candy Crush, you have random spawn, random spawn, random spawn, and then every once in a while you'll have like a really difficult level that'll force you to play, pay your pay your money. What we did is, what we have what's called bag spawning, which is similar to how Tetris does its spawning. Um, it's not random, instead it gives you an even distribution of all the blocks. That means that you, on every given board, equally likely to make a match. On top of that, we have this resource management mechanic, so it's you as a player who's making decisions to reach yourself, whereas with a game like Candy Crush, if you swap, there's no consequence for swapping poorly. Um, and if you swap poorly, it just undoes it. It doesn't actually take the swap. So we're making the players make actual decisions about things. Couple that with the spatial reasoning of moving your moving your device. It's like uh, it's more of a tetris feel than a candy crush feel, even though it exists more firmly in the genre of of candy crush. At almost every single design decision that we've made was to say, we don't like how Candy Crush does things. Why don't we make a puzzle game that's actually good for the reasons we think a puzzle game should be good, not for the reasons that the executives over at King think a puzzle game should be good? Um, and so so we don't, we don't have addictive qualities within our game. We just have a solid gameplay foundation that makes people want to play. And that's, uh, I, I know, Steve, you, you have some feelings on this as well, last we talked.
2: Nope, no. I uh, ah. I don't I don't I don't remember last time we talked about this. I I was just gonna let you handle the science. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, no. I'm doing kind of a poor job of it. You know, I don't have a prompt in front of me. That would have been nice. I should have I should have put a uh, scientific disclaimer prompt in front of in front of my face.
3: So, Steve, do you find uh, collapse? You said you weren't on board with collapses at first. Do you still? find it now, find it, you keep coming back to it. So I, I don't, uh,
2: I don't, I don't, I don't play it unless, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing like a new feature or something that came out on one of the builds. I, <laughs> I've got a, what do they call it? A spotted history with collapses. Me, me and me and Jay have talked at length about why, why does I don't, you know, I'm not that passionate about it. Uh, I really, I really got into the development process after it was decided that we were going to put a mascot in, which is like the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. And so now we have a personal, a personable kind of connection With the game, and so that's kind of what what gets me fired up about collapses anymore is that now we've got a a character, Mm -hmm. we've got got it's got a face now. So uh, this is a little a little chameleon guy who's a demolition expert, and it's it's his job. And so you're kind of directing him: what blocks do we take down? And that kind of imaginary narrative kind of piques my interest a bit.
3: Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see that. I do have a question for you specifically, Steve, because you are a 3D artist and I've played Collapses and I don't recall too much 3D art going there. So, how do you, are you able to translate some of your your artwork uh, and your skill set to Collapses despite it being more of a 2D type um, art style?
2: So, so I I am the the 3D art director, but I do a lot of illustration and 2D art. So, I I was, uh, I, I illustrated the, um, man, I just totally lost my place. I illustrated, I illustrated the, uh, the mascot. Um, I, I had a lot of input with the branding and a lot of the UI and the, the UX. Uh, and where, where the 3d comes in is that I've. I don't know how I did it, but I, I finally convinced Jay to do like a full motion 3D trailer, kind of like in the same vein of like a Nintendo game.
3: So, oh, very nice. I don't think I've seen the trailer yet. But I it's,
2: it. it's still being worked on. Okay, okay, I can remember to
3: that when Jay I talked about these he it was to come out, but I, I forgot to look before this interview. I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> miss it.
2: Uh, it'll be a big deal when it comes out.
3: I, I, I still, I, uh, sorry. I try to stay connected to your guys' social media accounts. But I am paying attention to all the updates you get been putting out the past uh, month, month and a half. Um, so um, this is kind of just the last question. This is a question we kind of ask. Um, all
0: of well, guests. you you already asked when when Collapsus was coming out, and we never actually answered. We that. Never answered yeah, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, we are doing PAX East uh, here in April, April 5th, and we have some big announcements um, that are that are going to be prepped for PAX East, and I can't say what those announcements are, but you guys are going to want to stay tuned for those announcements. Um, and then, as far as Collapse is being done, actually finished, which is not the same thing as released, um, it's going to be done this month. Um, and theoretically uh steve's uh beautiful new trailer will also be premiering at Pax East as well. um we're going to have that on a big tv uh, at the booth. um so ultimately pax east is kind of our our big turning point for let's get this let's get this game out there, you know. so yeah, but it'll it'll definitely be done like uh 10 minutes from now basically
3: <laughs> okay. okay so um, but you said a release date is coming soon like a definitive release date
0: yes we will have a definitive release date soon um one of the big problems with coming up with a definitive release date is the fact that we are simultaneously launching on all of our our chosen platforms um, and so when we, when we do that, it's going to be like, oh, well, that's why. Cause just working, working Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, uh, like just, just getting them to, to let us coordinate something on the same day is difficult enough because there's all this QA testing and there's, there's a lot of internal, internal politics. Um, but that's kind of where we are is we're, we're releasing all the platforms one day right there
3: well, I cannot wait to get my hands on it and to hear this announcement. So I will be keeping, we, we will be keeping our eyes closed just because Taxi's is going on anyway, but specifically as well as what you guys are going to be doing over there, over here in the next few weeks is kind of quick.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: So this is kind of a question. But this is going to probably be our last question, unfortunately, but it's a question that you ask all our guests on the show at one point or another. Um, so as far as um, you know we're, we're a gaming podcast and we certainly talk a lot about video games, but just to be your video games, but what are some of your guys' favorite games growing up and have served as possible inspirations for you guys as developers um, over the course of the years? Um this
0: question goes to both of you. Steve, take it off.
2: Do it. Okay. Uh, so growing up, I was a huge uh, naughty dog and insomniac games. Uh, fan, So I'd have to say Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, uh, and Spyro the Dragon, and Ratchet and Clank are like my top, top, top games.
3: Very nice, very nice. do you still find yourself going back to those games today? And are you still a fan of NaniDogs like for the first day of the like, you know, like, last of the series as well?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, no, I actually I haven't actually played the Uncharted series, but I really, really, really want to. I actually just got a chance to play uh, The Last of Us, and I loved it. And then the Insane Trilogy that just got remastered. Uh, I I still play that. That's like my go-to right now.
3: Yeah, you know, I didn't grow up with Crash Bandicoot because I didn't have a PlayStation. But now that the Insane Trilogy was just announced for the Switch, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get Crash Bandicoot. <laughs>
2: I might buy a Switch just to play it on the Switch.
3: There you go. And I find a lot of people are doing that. Um, I just uh, A friend of mine, he just bought a, a Switch just because um, he wanted to play certain games on the game. And it's, it's really perfect. useful. And, oh, yeah, for sure. And it's it's crazy. It's, it's a simple concept, and but it's going to ask you to use it so well that like you, you can't falsify so it in any way. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: So Jake, your favorite games that you've you have your favorite all the time or grown up or it's stuff also served as inspiration for you.
0: So I I have this weird thing where people often ask me my favorite game and depending on depending on the day it changes, so I have I have kind of a big top three in no particular order. And so two of them, um, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. So, so Steve, Steve is firmly entrenched in PlayStation. I'm firmly entrenched in Nintendo. And Steve is very much uh, 3D motivated. I'm very much 2D motivated. Um, you know, the more retro we can get, the better for me. Um, and so my two, two of the three are Super Mario World and Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. And it's it's gonna seem blasphemous um, because I've had I've had long like three four hour debates with um, our programmer Mark on on this. but my favorite versions are actually the two versions of the GBA.. Okay. And um, the reason for this is there's some additional content, there's some some fix they fixed some problems with it, and they're both a little closer to the Japanese releases than the the American releases. And so those three things together make it, great for me um in fact i'm not i'm not good at mini games uh like to be honest i'm i'm i would say i'm good at tetris and i would also say i'm i'm good at super mario world um i've I've been working on my world record speed run for that um and that's the that's the only two games i'm really any good at to be honest um but uh the GBA versions, I just think, take them to the next level. Now, I would I would argue that the Wii U port of um, Super Mario Brothers three for the GBA is probably probably the best Mario game ever made. Okay. Whereas whereas I'm saying link uh, I'm I'm saying Super Mario World's my favorite, but that's mostly because of all the wonderful e-reader levels that you get um as it's it's so much content on that now the the third would be cave story um nice. cave story i love it for its aesthetic i love it for its narrative i love it for its mechanics i love it for its music and i love it for the story of the developer he was one dude working a salary man job you know he's a one guy and he he learned programming and graphic design and game design and and music all he learned it all just himself and then made this wonderful little masterpiece that i'm i keep buying it every time a new version comes out and it's funny because the game the original game is free um he released it for free and so it's on every system i have basically um, so, like, I, I, if I had to say, I, I think the Switch version's the best one, and the reason I think the Switch version is the best one is even though I really like the DS version's map on the bottom screen, um, and I like the fact that there are printies in the 3DS version, um, not only is it Cave Story+, Plus, but it also has multiplayer, and so I've been, I've been playing the multiplayer with some of my friends, uh, and it just... It's just something really nice, you know? And, yeah.
3: Awesome. That's uh, certainly a uh, excuse me, a great choice between all of you guys. Um, I do, I hate to say this, Steve, I do gravitate towards change choice a little bit more because I'm in so the I'm sorry the, about no,
2: that. It's all good. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> but,
3: but I will say, I do have a PS4 now, and I'm trying to catch up on all my Sony stuff, so uh, there is that. I just didn't grow up with it.
2: We, we'll welcome you into the fold with open arms. Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you very much. I, I'm starting off with. Um, I, 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 oh my gosh, I can't believe I just. My, my mind. Just blank, just, uh, just, like, but I'm starting off with um, the main character's Aloy. You know, woman, kind of, three or four times robot dinosaurs. Uh Horizon? Horizon, yes, thank you. Horizon Zero Dawn. I know a couple of people listen to the I can't believe you dropped the name of that. But yeah, that's that's the first (laughs) game I'm starting with right now. And I'm going to that at the moment.
0: That's on my list.
3: It's It's, it's It's
0: It's funny because like like people who have seen my collection, I have a I have a PS4 and a and a PS3 and a PS2, PS1, Dreamcast, Genesis. I have a freaking arcade cabinet. And like I I love. I even have a freaking virtual boy. Like I love games in general. It doesn't really matter the source because, like, there's this there's this thing where people are like, oh man, if you're a Nintendo guy, you must hate like other things. I'm like, dude, I have one thousand five hundred plus Steam games. Like I don't I don't hate most games. It's just something about Nintendo specifically that makes me gravitate towards them. And I think I think that's the way people are with their with their favorites in general. You know
3: that um we all talk about on our show is three of which is four hosts total um three of us are love Nintendo and the fourth is you know he doesn't hate Nintendo we just didn't grow up with, with Nintendo stuff but yeah. the three of us we sort of say like Disney's do or not Disney Nintendo um, is almost Disney esque and the fact that they seem to have this kind of like magic wand that they wave that like anything they touch, not anything but most things they touch has this certain polish to it that people seem to gravitate towards for one reason or another.
0: It's it's weird because um, and I I am an emotional person. I that's one of the problems is is I I cry a lot for a lot of different reasons. And Nintendo games are one of them. I will anytime there's a new Nintendo system and I, I boot up the requisite Mario game or the requisite Zelda game. I will find myself within like a half an hour of playing, tears, like silent manly tears streaming down my face. Yeah. Um, and it's it's always weird because I, I I like to say that Nintendo has this innate quality where anytime I turn it on, I'm nine years old again. You know what I mean? I For, for a brief period of time, I am nine years old sitting in my living room again. And that's... It's kind of the way it is with Disney too. I mean, like, heck! I was watching. Um, I know. I know. There's a lot of hate for Frozen, but I was watching Frozen, and I like halfway through the movie, I realized I'm like, ah, oh, they did it to me. Like, <laughs> I am. I am a child again. Crap! What did they do? Uh... <laughs> Our last
3: guest that talked about first said Basically, the same thing you did, and I'm going to tell you guys the same thing I told her. I just recently watched Frozen for the first time in the past couple months. Don't know how it okay. happened. It's just how it happened but I'm sitting and watching it and I'm like this movie is not what I expected to be it. it's actually really good I would think like between all that hype over the years that it's gotten I'm like I'm not going to like this movie there's no way and I'm watching it I'm like dang it just need it again
0: yeah that's one of the things is the marketing is the most annoying thing about Frozen it's yeah. not the movie's great Um it's like it's like Rick and Morty the problem's the fans not the show yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> the it's, it's
3: actually the, the marketing big also to be the main characters. So I'm thinking, well, we're gonna gonna see Elsa the entire time. And she's
0: I mean she's in the movie, and it's kinda yeah. about her, but it's more about her sister and the relationship that they had, and I'm like, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. And it's it's weird because like I actually think that both Tangled and Moana are better movies. Mm-hmm. But there's uh there's something about there's something about Frozen that I will watch Frozen more often than I want to watch Moana or Tangled, even though, even though from from a structure standpoint and even an aesthetic standpoint, I think that both Tangled and um, and Moana are better. Frozen, I'm just, I'm just like, oh man, fine, I'm working. I'll just put up Frozen in the background. I'll just listen to it, whatever. <laughs> of course, I do. I, I do the same thing with like the Lion King and Aladdin stuff. It's just like, yes, yeah, screw it, fine, Lion King, whatever. You know?
3: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Well, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wrap things up here, Jay and Steve. I thank you for taking the time out for coming on the show. And um, just as a last thing, where can our audience find you guys on uh, various social medias and the the interwebs?
0: So, uh, company-wise, we are at Wraith Games, W-R-A-I-T-H Games on Twitter. Um, We are also Facebook.com slash Wraith Games. Google.com uh, or Google Plus or just plus Wraith Games. Um, we are at WraithGames.org.com.net, Wraith.games, if you if you're feeling feisty. Um, almost almost everywhere you need to find us, we are, we are Wraith Games. Um, and then uh, on the personal end, and I don't use this very often, um, but I'm S-I-R-K-I-D-D two zero zero three at um, at on Twitter. And then
2: Steve, whatever. And uh, my, my Twitter, even though I don't post as much as I probably should for for somebody in the field, uh, is at Wireframe Rabbit. Sounds just spelled exactly how it sounds.
3: There you go. Hey, guys, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I, I hey, thanks you for having you. us. Oh, no yeah. uh, thank just you. Say, I can show you both. You guys will be able to show again. There's no doubt about that. Oh,
2: well, thank you. And is that a It's guaranteed?
3: it's a guarantee this is a guarantee this is a rdp guarantee yes <laughs> <laughs> before and, and it's always a blast having people on, uh, pass on the show. It's, and you guys um for the work that you're doing and the work you have have done um, i have i can assure you guys will be on the show again talking about classes and physics again
2: well nice thanks for having us Don't yeah worry. absolutely thanks man
3: it's, it's been a blast um and for everyone else.
2: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive
3: can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Terry, this isn't working.
2: Aye. Is it because I still be living with me mother? No. Is it because me mates be scallywags? No, I like your friends. Is it? It's
0: the pirate talk, Terry. Yar everyone's caught up in the Old Bay filet of fish at McDonald's. It's the taste locals crave on our classic sandwich. Get two for $5, either original or with that Old Bay love. Yo-ho! Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Limited time only, single item at regular price.